This episode 485 of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. Justin Verlander apparently threw for the Rangers and some other teams. Um, also, Joey Gallo won a gold glove. We're not going to talk much about that. The Rangers hired a new hitting coach and a couple of interesting players that, for some reason that I cannot explain, didn't receive qualifying offers from their teams that I think the Rangers should absolutely take a look at in free agency this offseason. Coming up on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. <laughs> You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Paddock, here today with a lot more news on this Monday than I thought the Rangers would have at this point in very, very early November. I want to thank you for making Locked On Rangers your first listen of the day every day. And I also want to apologize for two of my neighbors that apparently have the need to hammer things exactly when I'm recording a podcast. I don't know if they're spying on me, but it feels like the only time they make noise is when I'm you know, starting a podcast. Not just one neighbor, but two neighbors. I've been hammering on things for an hour. I've been waiting for them to stop. So I just go ahead and, you know, figure I'd, I'd knock this episode out and... You know, we'll live with the hammering noises, and uh, hopefully this microphone won't pick that up. It'll just pick up my voice talking about all the many, many things that are happening with the Rangers. Let's start with the most Rangers-centric news. Um, this weekend, the Rangers hired former Red Sox hitting coach Tim Hires, who is a great hire. They decided to part ways. He wanted to seek other opportunities. He just was apparently done with Boston. Um, so... The Rangers get a great break. Apparently, he was also being talked to by the Yankees, so um, not sure how he decided to come to the Rangers instead of the Yankees. Um, maybe he thought, you know what, there's too many, there's too many good hitters on the Yankees. I want more of a challenge. And uh, boy, the Rangers are most definitely a challenge. The stuff he did um, with the personnel that he had, obviously, a much better group of hitters the Red Sox have than the Rangers. But um, yeah, under two thousand. From 2018 to 2021, that was how long he was the, rain, uh, the Red Sox hitting coach. Um, Boston was first in runs, first in batting average, first in slugging percentage, first in OBS, first in extra base hits. Um, also, average with uh, runs in scoring position, they were first in that. Average with two strikes, um, first and two strike RBIs, they were first in Major League Baseball, according to Red Sox notes on Twitter. So, um, yeah, those are some good numbers. I mean, the Red Sox obviously have a much better personnel. But let's look at this year. Um, obviously last year was a big down year for the Red Sox, but this year their hitting absolutely carried them. It was the reason they made it as far as they did. The reason that they nearly, well, I don't know if they nearly won their division because the Rays were pretty much running away with it, but it's the reason they were able to do so well. And we're leading the division for so long. Um, when people thought like, okay, like this team doesn't have the pitching staff to do this. They had incredible hitters. They were third in uh weighted on base per on weighted on base average or uh, WOBA where the Rangers are 30th this year. Um, yeah, not really great. Um, in strikeout percentage, um, the Rangers were, you know, towards the bottom in that um, Boston didn't do super duper well. They were 20th in that. So, um, but the Rangers were, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, actually the one category where they were ahead of Boston Rangers were 14th, but in walk percentage, this team was absolutely terrible at taking walks. Um, and it would have been much, much worse if it weren't for Joey Gallo. Um, the Rangers walked in 7.3% of their plate appearances, which is 29th in Major League Baseball, um, just behind the Orioles at 75 and just ahead of the Kansas City Royals at 7.0. Um, 
but I have no doubt that if Joey Gallo was gone at the beginning of the season, they would have been well below that. Um, whereas Boston, where are they at in here? Uh, still 20th. I keep picking the wrong stats to prove my point, but through the other metrics, through, um, you know, actually scoring runs, actually hitting home runs, um, all kinds of good stuff like that. The Red Sox were among the best. They had a great team um, filled, with, filled with great hitters. I mean, when you have Xander Bogarts, Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Kike Hernandez, Hunter Renfro, J.D. Martinez, um, and also you add um, the guys that they did down the stretch um, that make them much, much better as well uh, in Kyle Schwarber. Um, I guess mainly just Kyle Schwarber. But that's going to be a good offense. And um, granted, they were shut down by – Houston in the postseason, but Houston was shutting out a lot of offenses there. Um, but the point is, with the new bench coach, which is going to be the offensive coordinator um, and do a lot of good stuff there, um, and with this new hitting coach, I have a lot of faith in what the Rangers are going to do offensively. Um, granted, it's the same personnel there, but we're going to see Josh Young there as well. That's going to be new to be a bigger bat in the lineup. Hopefully they can um, keep some of the magic alive of Adolis Garcia and some of the stuff that he's done, um, that would be really exciting. I would love to see that. And there's a lot there's a lot of room to work with. Um, this Rangers offense, there's a lot of guys that, are there that have shown potential. Nick Sol- Solak has shown that he has a lot of hitting potential. Um, Willie Calhoun is a guy who still hasn't – we haven't gotten the best out of his bat either. Um, Nathaniel Lowe showed some promise in hitting breaking balls. They can work on him being able to hit fastballs, and that would be amazing, and actually hitting more long balls and, you know – a 357 on base is is solid, um, but I would like to see a higher slugging percentage than 415. If you're going to be an offense first first baseman, you got to be higher than that. Granted, he was above average offensive when it came to first baseman because of 113 OPS plus. Um, one of two Rangers at the end of the season who had a positive OPS plus. Actually, no, 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 strike that. Andy Abanez in 76 games had a 107 OPS plus, um, where in case you forgot, 100 is average. And it was Garcia. Just, just barely above average. 101, 101 OPS plus. Just barely above average. I mean, Joey Gallo had a 139 OPS plus. Um, also, he won a Gold Glove. Shout out to Joey Gallo who won a Gold Glove. Um, I believe Sunday night. I don't know. It, it's been hard keeping track of all this nonsense. Um, and you know, for more than one reason, he kind of kept Adolis Garcia from winning a Gold Glove because if Joey Gallo wasn't there the whole season, Adolis probably would have been playing more, more right field. I guess it's more on Leody then, but Leody being bad is the whole reason that Adolis got called up. But also if he was playing center field all year, then maybe we would have seen more Adolis in left field where he almost sure assuredly would have beaten out Andrew Benintendi for the gold glove in left field, but it's fine. Uh, Michael A. Taylor of the Royals won the center field gold glove there. And uh, Joey Gallo, who is, is also up for the silver slugger at DH where he played, I think 16 games this year. Um, that's a thing. Um, some other guys who are in the American League West, specifically, who won gold gloves. Sean Murphy, Murphy the catcher of the A's. Um, Dallas Keiko won another gold glove, which, you know, he's not in the AL West. But I figure that's worth noting. Obviously, third base it went to exactly who we all thought it would. Um, Carlos Correa won the gold glove at shortstop. In case you didn't know who I was talking about, it's Matt Chapman. So a lot of gold glovers around the division. Marcus Simeon, congrats to him. His first year playing second base, and he won a gold glove there. Yuli Gurriel of the Astros, um, sure, fine. He won a gold glove at first base. And um, for some reason, a whole lot of Cardinals won gold gloves. I mean, Nolan Arenado is great. Um, Harrison Bader is great. Paul, Paul Goldschmidt, eh, eh, pretty solid. Um, 
don't know much about Tommy Edmund, but like it feels a little bit like a conspiracy, like not like a real conspiracy that actually matters, but like the gold gloves there, uh, I believe the awards were handed out in St. Louis, uh, gold, uh, Rawlings, who, you know, is it's their sponsor, their sponsor of all the gloves, whatever they're based in St. Louis. Um, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe not. I didn't watch enough Cardinals games. No, but I like just throwing around blind conspiracies when they have very, very low stakes and aren't actually harmful and uh, just anything to kind of, you know, take a dump on anything good that the Cardinals are doing because, you know, I still hate them. I hate them for a while. It's fine. It's just a sports hate. No harm, no foul, but Rangers have a new hitting coach, but that's not what we're going to talk about mostly today. We've talked a little bit about it, but there's a lot of pitchers, older pitchers, even some guys who one guy in particular that you definitely didn't think about the Rangers getting. Um, but these two veterans that I'm going to focus on, who I think the Rangers should take big swings at and go for the stars and get these guys for the rotation next year to help bring up the young guns. And honestly, just give us something nice to look at for the next season. That is also going to be a rebuild and veteran leadership for seasons to come. But first this word from our sponsors, this episode is brought to you by direct TV stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. Doesn't that sound great? That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again because there are so many devices. Keeping track of all these remotes is always very difficult. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Now let's talk about these two big names that uh, were recently linked to the Rangers, according to Britt Garoli of uh, The Athletic. She is a senior writer, uh, senior MLB writer at The Athletic. The Yankees, Tigers, and Rangers were among the clubs who saw Verlander throw today, and she heard that it was a pretty good turnout. So um, I don't know what that means but I know that they were there and you know, we might not have thought about Justin Verlander for a while. I sure hadn't um, because he didn't pitch this year and he only pitched in one game last year. So it's been basically two years since we have thought about Justin Verlander, but in case you forgot last time he pitched, he was a Cy Young the year before that Cy Young runner up also 11th, somehow 11th in MVP voting the year he won the Cy Young and 10th the year he got second. Um, He's already got an MVP. Stop stop voting pitchers for MVP. Just just stop it. Just stop it. The only two times where it's been – well, there's really never been a time that I felt that it was super, super, you know, important but uh, or, like, merited, but I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time saying that Clayton Kershaw didn't deserve it the year that he had a 177 ERA in just under 200 innings back in 2014. So actually both these guys are former MVPs and former Cy Young Award winners. Um, both these guys have multiple Cy Youngs. Somehow somehow Justin Ver Verlander only has two Cy Youngs. It's kind of insane to me that he only has two when he's been so stinking good for so long. Um, I believe it was it 2012 or was it 20? No, no, it was 2018. It was 2018 that he was absolutely robbed um, and didn't win the Cy Young. Um Actually, you know, Blake Snell might have been a little bit better than him that year. 
granted he pitched in uh wait how many fewer innings was it than him this that year uh yeah 30 34 ish give or take um or was it 2012 the year when uh Kay upton went on her rant about um how how screwed he was um i don't know david price is really good that year too maybe it was some other year but anyway these are both all-time great guys um some of the best pitchers of their era um Definitely the best American League pitcher of the 2010s. I feel like that's pretty easy to say, especially since he actually pitched all those years. He didn't miss any time um, until the 2020s started. Um, yeah, he was 27 in 2010. Uh, was an all-star in 2007, 2009, 2000, 2009 through 2013, actually, and then wasn't an all-star again until he his uh, first full year in Houston in 2018 was an all-star and back-to-back -back years there and like i said the back-to-back -back top two cy young finishes but also like i said it's been a while since he's pitched he had tommy john surgery um towards the end of 2020 in the fall um he only pitched in one game six innings um in 2020 struck out seven in those six innings only allowed two runs one home run um yeah but it's literally one start so those stats don't really matter that much he pitched in 200 innings back-to-back in um, actually a long, long time. Let's see. 2015 was the one year in this long, long streak uh, that he didn't pitch 200 innings from, let's see, where did this start? Where did this start? Oh, my goodness. 2007 all the way to 2019. Every year except for 2015 when he pitched in a, pitched 133 innings, he threw at least 200 innings. Even the year before that, his actual rookie year, he pitched 186 innings. That's absolutely unreal. Even at age 36, he threw 223 innings, which led the American League. Um, 34 starts. He's pitching in 30 starts pretty much every game. He's been super consistent. He has been – he's not lost a whole lot on his fastball. I'm, I'm sure he will a little bit when he comes back because that's just kind of how things go. Um, but he's been a primary fastball guy, and to be able to do that as well as he has – for as long as he has, has been really impressive. I mean, his fastball averaged 95 miles an hour in 2018, 94.6 in 2019, um, 95.3 in 2017, and 95 in 2018. So it's been right around the same um, for all those years, but he's getting a lot older. Um, it's not that often you get to see guys who are, he's 38 now, he's going to turn 39 um, at the end of February of the upcoming year. He's probably going to sign a shorter term deal because there's not a whole lot of guys that are pitching. Um, at a very, very old age. You think of guys like uh, Rich Hill, who had a very solid season at age 41 for the Tampa Bay Rays and the Mets. Um, still have no idea why the Rays traded him, other than that's just what they do. He's probably going to look to pitch next year. Did really solid at a 387 ERA um, for Tampa Bay in 19 starts, 95 innings. Had a really, really solid start and then kind of fell off a little bit towards the uh, middle of the season. But that makes sense. He was in the freaking AL East where he had to go up against all these guys that are just power bats, including all of Boston's bats that I just listed. Most of those are right-handed. He is left-handed. Um, also Toronto. Also the Yankees. Um, yeah, that's a lot of tough hitters to face multiple, multiple times. But he did very solid. And then when he went to the Mets, he pitched in uh, 13 games. 12 of those were starts, 63 innings, a 384 ERA. So he is, you know, more the the outlier than the norm. Um, Nolan Ryan is a guy who pitched for a long time and I'm getting super Nolan Ryan -y vibes of them looking at any of these guys 
He is a uh, Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star, and uh, pitched till he was 46 years old. 46. He also had a top five Cy Young finish um, in his age 42 season, his final All-Star year. That was his first year in Texas. That year, in case you don't remember, was 1989. Um, yeah, that was the first time he pitched in Texas. Was at the end of his career. Hit all these big major milestones in a Rangers uniform. That's why everyone remembers him there. Um, but of the teams that he played for, Texas was tied for the least. He pitched for the Mets for five years. Um, pitched for the California Angels for eight years. Houston for nine years. And like I said, the Rangers for five years towards the end of his career. But anyway, in that 1989 season, his age 42 season had a 320 ERA, 239 innings, 301 strikeouts, which I'm pretty darn sure is still the Texas Rangers franchise record. Um, just a really solid guy, but definitely the outlier. I don't expect to see many guys that are uh, in his age 45 season, his next to last season pitched 157 innings, age 45. Absolutely insane. Um, but there is only one Nolan Ryan. Though Justin Verlander does give me kind of similar vibes um, as him, especially since he's, you know, a little older. But he's also a little bit better at uh, not walking people, which very important nowadays. Nolan Ryan was a big walk machine, the all-time leader in strikeouts and walks, um, which is pretty impressive to do, put up those kind of numbers. Um, but definitely not the all-time leader in strikeouts to walks. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break and come back and look a little bit more at uh, some of these other guys, including Clayton Kershaw and why I think his injury might actually help the Rangers' chances, though I don't wish an injury on anybody. anybody. Um, but also something the Dodgers did that made me question if they're for real about bringing back their all-time great. Coming up after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You know, I love Thanksgiving. All the good foods and treats and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. I know I do. And, you know, that means it's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. You can feast on something delicious and feel really good about it. You know, an average slice of pie could have upwards of 300 calories, and that's, like, on the low end. Most Built Bars only have 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. You can replace that coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Pies aren't always covered in 100% chocolate, but Built Bars are. So, you know, they're low-calorie, low-carb high protein, high fiber, and uh, you know you can share them at your family galleries. It'll make things less awkward because if your mouth is full of Built Bar, then you can't share your controversial opinions or your criticisms of your family members. It's much harder to do that with a Built Bar in your mouth. Also puts you in a good mood, so maybe you're less likely, your family is less likely to criticize you or um, your life or just say mean, weird things. I don't know. Maybe, maybe shut them up with the Built Bar. I feel like that might be the best way to improve Thanksgiving is with a Built Bar. You know, there's new surprises all month. So limited time flavors dropping at Built.com regularly. Check the site often. There is nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. So mark your calendar, you know, the Friday after Thanksgiving instead of, you know, shopping online or at a uh, Walmart or, or some other place and fighting with people. You can just, you know, grab a Built Bar and then, you know, save those up for Christmas and make Christmas also much better with your family by making them nicer to you by having Built Bars. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Now, what happened with Clayton Kershaw, and why on earth would the Dodgers not want him back? He is an all-timer. He won a ring with them. He is the best pitcher of his generation. Sorry, Justin Verlander. It's like 
their primes are, are right in the middle of each other. And Jacob deGrom is, is kind of in there too. He was more towards the later half of these guys' prime. His prime is absolutely right now. But I, I got to say, it, it's got to be Clayton Kershaw. Even though he's pitching in the NL, um, he is an MVP winner. He is a three-time Cy Young winner, eight-time All-Star, has a gold glove as well. Um, won the Triple Crown. I believe that was a year that he won the, um, his MVP. Five-time ERA title. And all around, Texas dude. That might be more of the, um, you know, like I said, no one vibes that I'm getting here. He's a little bit younger. Um, he is coming off his whew, tragically worst season since his uh, his rookie year in 2008 when he was just 20 years old. This year he missed a lot of time, uh, three months with a uh, elbow injury and um you know his timeline to come back is a little bit, a little bit clearer, a little bit less uh, time off than Justin Verlander. Like I said, Justin Verlander had Tommy John in the fall of 2020, so he's probably going to be about ready in, um, you know, the beginning spring training of uh, 2022. But again, Verlander is going to be 39 and just coming off basically two full seasons um, out of baseball. But Clayton Kershaw missed three months this season due to an elbow injury, and uh, er- in early October. He told the media that he received a PRP injection in his left flexor tendon and he would not have to have surgery this offseason, that he would be ready for the season, um, for next season. He declined to talk about free agency because that's kind of Clayton Kershaw way. He's not going to talk about it. Um, but yeah, this guy has been absolutely incredible. Um, his peak the year he won the MVP, pitched 198.1 innings, struck out 239. Um, had an ERA plus of 197, an actual ERA of 177. Extremely sub two ERA. The guy was absolutely outrageously good. Um, the next year, he followed up with 232 innings, struck out 301 batters. Uh, it's been a long, long time since anybody had uh, had struck out that many batters in a season. Then, of course, Clayton Kershaw and Garrett Cole had to go and strike out 300 batters uh, later on that year. And for some reason, uh, Jake Arrieta won the Cy Young that year, and uh, we see where Jake Arrieta is, is now compared to him. But, uh, you know, it's neither here nor there. Um, he did have a little bit better of a season. Also, Zach Granke got a little bit better of a season. It fell all the way to third in Cy Young voting, which, you know, for him in his prime was absolutely unthinkable. Um, then he also had a uh, his best season ERA-wise, age 28, finished fifth in the Cy Young voting because he only pitched in 149 innings, um, has had a little bit of durability problems. Um, that has been the only knock on him. He's had back issues um, and now this elbow issue, um, but had a 169 ERA in just under 150 innings in 2016. Absolutely insane. Was not an all-star this year. Um, was an all-star in 2019. Um, only pitched in 121 and two-thirds innings. So you're probably only going to get about 100 to 150 innings from Clayton Kershaw, I think, next year. I feel like that's about reasonable to assume. He's going to be 34 years old next season. Um, turning 34 at, you know, actually two days before my birthday. I didn't realize that. March 19th. Um, that's fun. Anyway, but he's a little bit younger. There's a little bit more history of wear and tear. But I do think he's going to hold up a little bit better in the long term like a three to five year deal, maybe five years is what it would take to get him to sign in Texas. Um, I know he still has family here. He lives here in the off season. Um, He likes Texas. 
from what I know of him, not that we're close personal friends, but you know, obviously he keeps living here and his family's here and he grew up here and so did his wife. Um, then that makes sense for him to come live here in the off season and uh, maybe take a look at coming to the Rangers. There was some thought that before he signed this super duper maximum extension um, that he might come and pitch in Texas, but the Rangers didn't have the money. No, nobody had the money to match that contract offer um, that started in 2015. Gosh, if he had come to the Rangers in 2015, having him on that staff with Colt Hamels and you Darvish and Adrian Beltre and, oh gosh, I'm getting sad just thinking about all the possibilities that were wasted by that not happening, but it's fine. $32 million that year and over $30 million every year since. He has made 257 point seven oh one one four two million dollars in his career that's 257 million dollars seven hundred one thousand one hundred and forty two i feel like these random like numbers at the end of the season like at, at the end for arbitration and stuff like that actually no this is also in his extension usually the extension the contract extensions are you know more of a round number the last three seasons he's made exactly 31 million dollars um, obviously at the start you know you have your base pay um but it's just always kind of weird to me how it's these random, like, all right, how, how do you get to $429 um, at the end of the 2015, uh, 32,500,000, 571,429. It just doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, um, point is he's made a lot of money in his career. He's pitched in LA. He has won a world series. He has won several Cy Youngs. He has been universally acknowledged as one of the greatest pitchers of his generation. If not the greatest pitcher of his generation, if not the greatest pitcher of all time, I think injuries kind of robbed him of being able to continue to establish his dominance um, because during his peak, there is there are very few players that are anywhere close to him. Um, I always forget that Max Scherzer is also kind of in this conversation because he's still very much in his prime at age 37. His prime has been absolutely insane. Um, you know, being an all-star from 2013 to um, every year that there's been an all-star game since 2013, he has been on an all-star team. So a three-time Cy Young winner. Um, really part of the reason why Justin Verlander didn't win as many Cy Youngs and, you know, vice versa. Both these guys have been absolutely insane. Um, and I, I don't think that the Rangers are going to be in the conversation for Max Schroeder because he is still in his prime. He is still a uh, Cy Young contender this year, which is insane at age 37 that he's still doing that. Um, excuse me, age 36. He'll be age 37 next year. But Clayton Kershaw was non-tendered. I realize I forgot to say that when talking about how great Clayton Kershaw is um, because, you know, I get caught up in the absolute insanity of his baseball reference page, but he was non-tendered. So that means if the Rangers sign him to a deal this off season, that means they don't have to give up any draft picks. It, it wouldn't be their first or second, third overall pick. Um, I believe it would be their second round pick. I got to go uh, double check my math on that, but they're not going to give up a top five pick for signing a free agent. Also, who knows if that's even going to happen because by the time that they're signing these guys, um, or maybe by the time the next draft rolls around, there'll be something in the new CBA about um, reworking how restricted free agents work and maybe teams not giving up their first round picks. I don't know if that's even on the table of what they're discussing. I would like it to be because I feel like punishing teams for signing free agents is bad. And if you let a guy walk, I don't think you should be rewarded by giving him this qualifying offer. Um, but other guys that were among those to not receive qualifying offers, there's Carlos Rodon. Um, there is John Gray, formerly of the Rockies. 
uh, Anthony Disclafani, formerly of the Giants. That was a little bit of a surprise. Carlos Rodon was a huge surprise because he did so well last year. And John Gray, um, of course, they didn't you know give him a qualifying offer because the Rockies GM is run by a pack of people who are just flipping a coin, playing rock, paper, scissors, just, I don't know, rolling the dice, rolling a 20-sided die and making random declarative statements on how they're going to run their franchise based off of it. Because there's no actual logic, sound reason why they wouldn't at least give the qualifying offer to John Gray. It it just it blows my mind how poorly the Rockies franchise is being run. I know the Rangers are in a bad place. Like they're they're in a really bad place. But you know, at least they're not the Rockies. At least they didn't give up Nolan Arenado for a very minuscule package of prospects. At least they didn't do that. That's exciting. Um and they might be one of the teams in the mix for two of these all-time greats, seeing them in their twilight years, um, having them mentor these young guys. I mean, they have a bunch of good young pitchers in Cole Wynn, um, in soon-to-be Jack Leiter. Having them be around those guys, I think, is going to be incredibly helpful um, for them if the Rangers are able to sign them. Obviously, my preference would be Clayton Kershaw. Um, I know he's had the injury problems in the past. The Rangers trading staff, I feel very confident in them. Um, Justin Verlander would not mind him. He got at least two open rotation spots, if not three. Um, I believe Cole Wynn will be knocking on the door towards the end of the season. But for the start of the season, um, yeah, you're definitely going to need um, some bodies there. And uh, why not go get some old guys? Why not get some old guys? Go teach them, bring them in, bring them in for when these young guys come up, teach them how to be great, how to work, how to, I don't know, all the fun little things that make Justin Verlander himself make Clayton Kershaw absolutely dominant, show what it takes to be these guys, um, have them impart their wisdom on these youngins. Cause I mean, if Kyle Gibson, no offense to Kyle Gibson, but if Kyle Gibson, Gibson can make such a big impact on these guys, if uh, Lance Lynn can make a big impact on these guys, imagine having an all time great. I mean, those guys had story, had pretty decent careers before the Rangers, but uh, nothing, they didn't win any Cy Youngs. Um, they didn't win an MVP. Um, and both Clayton Kershaw and Justin Verlander did. So I think the Rangers should absolutely be going in on all in on both of these guys. I think make your biggest push to Clayton Kershaw because you have, um, you know, that home field advantage, if you will, of bringing him home, of him being beloved by Rangers fans and uh, him getting to spend the final-ish years, however many years he wants, um, on a team that's close to home, close to his family, and um, where he lives in the offseason, a place he knows and loves, and a team that he grew up cheering for. So I think that would be awesome for them to get either of these guys. And uh, I have no idea why on earth the Dodgers decided to not extend that qualifying offer to Clayton Kershaw. Maybe he already told them that he's looking very seriously at other teams, and maybe that was their present to him but they have done nothing but trying to do right by him throughout his entire career. He won them a world series. He got them to the playoffs, carried them so many years um, through his prime and finally got his ring in this stadium. So why not come and pitch at the place where you got your first ring? And I don't know, maybe if things break really well, maybe you get your second ring at home in a Rangers uniform. I don't know about that, 
We'll see about that, but it would definitely be nice to have his presence on this team and to be able to watch Clayton Kershaw pitch in a freaking Rangers uniform. That would be incredible. Same with Justin Verlander and some of the other guys. I'm going to talk more about them later on in the week. Hopefully have a guest um, coming either tomorrow or uh, Wednesday. We will see about that, but I'll let you know more about that when I know about that. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Rangers. Thank you for making Locked On Rangers your first listen of the day. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.